0: Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace Podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel.
1: We the character of the Holy Prophet and we talked about if he had come in the modern age he would bring the opportunity for peace and happiness for humanity. Now indeed our first speaker, Reverend Robert Moore, is someone who's dedicated his life to peacemaking. Now, I could read you his extensive bio. It's quite accomplished. He's ma- had many awards, such as the Humanitarian Award for the, uh, from the National Conference for Community and Justice in 2005. He's done many things that have been significant in peacemaking and uh, diminishing arms and weapons. In fact, he served as the coordinator of peacemaking ministries at the Center of Continuing Education at Princeton Theological Seminary. He's been the president and vice president and treasurer of the Princeton Clergy Association. He's been a board member and chair of the public policy working group of the New Jersey Council of Churches and co-founder and board member of the National Religious Campaign Against Torture. And also he's an author and he's written uh, the introduction to and a chapter in the book called Breaking Silence, Pastoral Approaches to Creating an Ethos of Peace, which was published in 2004. But I want you to know about the significance of his work. I want you to know that Reverend Moore has accomplished some really significant things, things that have kind of gone off the radar, especially for those of you in college today. You wouldn't have known about some of these issues. And what were they? Now, let me tell you, he grew up in a Navy family. He lived his formative years during the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Vietnam War. But he became inspired by the nonviolent resistance movement. Can we have Sheikh Abdul Jalil join us on Salah yeah. Muhammad Muhammad? I just a joke. Okay, when you're ready, inshallah. He was inspired by the nonviolent resistance movement. He was inspired by Dr. King's message moral means to moral ends, or moral ends through moral means. He got involved in the anti war movement, but that's not all. He fought against racism, hunger, and poverty. And he believed then, as he does now, in striving for a better world, one in which institutional violence, and these are his words, would no longer deprive people of their basic rights and thwart their God-given potential. Those are his words. Now, as an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, the Reverend Moore has been serving humanity both practically and spiritually as the executive director of the Princeton, New Jersey-based Coalition for Peace Action and as the pastor of the East Brunswick Congregational Church. Now, the Coalition for Peace's work began to stop the immoral and dangerous nuclear proliferation and create a peace-based economy through grassroots involvement. Now, when we talk about nuclear proliferation, that's not so much on your radar anymore. But in the late 70s and early 80s, it was a very significant threat and concern of the entire globe. This was during the Cold War. So during the 70s and 80s, when this was a hot issue and these were major threats, he helped mobilize thousands upon thousands of citizens to come out and protest and get the people to help change the legislation. So he was one of the people that helped mobilize the move to help create and write and put into law the 1987 Nuclear Reduction Treaty. Now his banner in his office says, Make us instruments of your peace. And today he is here to do just that with his talk on interfaith peacemaking. Please give him a loud salawat and a warm, warm welcome.
0: Thanks very much to Sister Nicole for that uh, really sort of excessive introduction there. (laughs) Maybe about 10% of what she said was accurate and true, but (laughs) Uh, I'm just teasing, of course. Uh, uh, I want to thank Mustafa, I want to thank the Muslims for Peace, ABSA, I want to thank all of the wonderful people, faith-based. Uh, people working for peace and justice together who are here in this room and others who couldn't make it today I want to say right at the outset that I love the name of this organization Muslims for peace well I just love it because you know what you are much more aware than me most of you because most of you are Muslims of the stereotype that took hold after 9-1-1 that all Muslims were terrorists. What a terrible, terrible stereotype to put onto millions and even billions of people in this world. And I can think of no better antidote to that than exactly what Muslims for Peace is doing which is to stand up for peace and to act for peace in the name of your religion. That is the best antidote to this stereotype. Now, before I get to my main topic of interfaith peacemaking, I want to mention that I was intrigued in some of the advanced materials that Mustafa sent me, that uh, in addition to Imam Hussein, that John the Baptist was mentioned. I actually know a little bit about John the Baptist because he's in the Christian scriptures as well. And the thing that struck me about John the Baptist, and as I read I learned that this also applied to Imam Hussein, is that they were in what I call the authentic prophetic tradition. The authentic prophetic tradition of speaking God's word and thereby speaking truth to power. In the case of John the Baptist, he challenged the immorality of Herod. And he did it courageously, and he ended up literally losing his head. He was beheaded over that. But right at the outset today, and I don't expect to be beheaded for this, at least I hope not, I want to also speak truth to power because we are meeting here on the campus of Rutgers University. And in what I'm about to say, I want to say that our chairperson, Irene Atkin Goldman, who is here, Irene, raise your hand so people can see who you are, shares this with me. And she is a Douglas alumna. And so that is the women's college, I think most of you know, of Rutgers University. And I have to say this at the outset, it is morally wrong for Rutgers University to be giving an honorary doctorate and a substantial honorarium of over $35,000 to Condoleezza Rice this May. That is wrong. Now again, as Sister Nicole pointed out, some of you are too young to know what, why I would be saying that about Condoleezza Rice. So let me just remind you of the role that she played in the lead up to the Iraq war. She was the National Security Advisor to George W. Bush. Most of you remember that. But in that role, she became the cheerleader for neoconing this entire country into an unnecessary, illegal, and immoral war in Iraq. And in doing that, she used a weapon of mass deception, which was to assert that Iraq still had a nuclear weapons program when we knew for a fact And I spoke directly to Hans Blix, the chief weapons uh, inspector in Iraq at that time. So I know this was true, that they had certified that Iraq did not have a nuclear weapons program anymore. And yet she used that. She said, we're going to have a mushroom cloud in our future if we don't take out Saddam Hussein and his country. So I mentioned Irene has a petition with her. Uh, Matt, one of our interns from Princeton Seminary, is also here. So if during this talk I won't be offended at all, in fact, I will be honored if you make your way over to Irene and Matt and sign one of the petitions. While you're there, we also have a flyer about some of our upcoming events on drones. Next Sunday, in fact, we're also having Medea Benjamin, the founder of Code Pink, who has a new book out on drones. And this is a very challenging issue to the cause of peace. It seems like people are more willing to use this kind of violence when they don't have to risk soldiers or even airmen. They're unmanned aircraft, as you know. Uh, And yet they're killing so many civilians, innocent civilians, perhaps over 5,000 at this point, have been killed by drones. So make your way to Irene and Matt during the talk. I'd be happy to have your signature on this petition that we'll be presenting to the leaders of Rutgers, but also to have you take one of our flyers about our upcoming events. Now, this prophetic call, this spirituality, I'm going to call it, because it goes across all the faith traditions, this spirituality of peacemaking is at the heart of all the great religions. Peacemaking is a core and a central value that uh, is certainly right at the heart of all of the uh, Abrahamic religions, including Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. That, in turn, is grounded in the love of God. Now, we have a Greek word for that. Some of you who know a little bit about Greek know there are three words for love, but one of them is agape love. Agape love means the universal love of God for all that God has created. All that God has created. And that love is grounded in willing the good. That's the way it's expressed. Doesn't necessarily mean you like everyone else, but it means that you will the good toward them. That's why at the birth of Jesus in the New Testament, we have the angelic chorus peace on earth, good will to all. You see, willing the good toward all people is part of the way that we create peace in this world. We need to be proactive about that, not just say, oh, I hope for peace, I wish for peace, or even I pray for peace, as important as that is. But we need to be willing the good, in other words, doing good works, doing loving actions to be able to create that peace. Jesus, who I know is also a prophet in your tradition, said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in what is known as the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Not people who hope for or wish for peace, not people who are passive about it, but peacemakers. Listen to the second part of that. It's not even two separate words. It's one and the same word, peace makers that's what god calls us to is to be makers of peace in this world among all of god's you know i love that bumper sticker some of you may have seen it god bless the whole world no exceptions no exceptions i love that bumper sticker now, there is a biblical vision that affirms over and over throughout our Judeo Christian scriptures that peace is possible. It's not just a hope for from some far distant future, but it is possible. The Bible is really pretty stubborn about that. It doesn't give up on the possibility of peace, it's really possible. And what makes the difference as to whether peace is actualized is what you and I do. We need to be God's instruments of peace and let that spirit of peace into our hearts and into our lives. We have so little reason that in this great nation, the United States of America, has many, many faults. No one can deny that. But one of the strengths of our nation is our democracy. We live in a great democracy, so we have so little reason to be cynical or pessimistic or hopeless. In my 45 years of peacemaking ministry, and Sister Nicole alluded to some of these things that I'm about to list, I have been blessed and indeed honored. I can think of no thing I would rather have done with these past 45 years than to be involved in the struggles for peace in Vietnam, in stopping the Iraq wars, plural. The Afghanistan war, thankfully, is drawing toward a close. I think that's partly because of we, the people, and what we've done, and of reversing the nuclear arms race. Most recently, It was our actions together, across all lines of faith, all types of people, we worked together to prevent the US bombing of Syria. We were on the cusp of that not that long ago, right at the end of August and the beginning of September. And it really looked like it was going to happen. I was feeling like, oh, I guess we can't really stop this. There's so much momentum. And you know what? I had to remind myself of what I'm telling you. We can't be cynical. We've got to keep working and being peacemakers because what happened is, surprisingly, President Obama felt our heat. And he said, oops, I'd better slow down. I'd better consult with Congress. And that's what we can do together in the cause of peace. Now, in this cause, we need to be careful to not ghettoize ourselves, to not isolate ourselves into groups that are only like us, To be within our own comfort zone is what I might call that. We need to move beyond our comfort zones to people who aren't of the same race or class or nationality or faith. We need to join hands with all people of goodwill who are willing to work together for peace and to be instruments of peace. Now I'm down to my last few minutes, so let me just say that The Coalition for Peace Action, based in Princeton, New Jersey, but covering this entire region, that's our regional headquarters, founded 34 years ago, and right from the start, we have been interfaith the entire time. It grew out of concern in the Princeton Clergy Association, Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish clergy working together to launch this organization. And I am proud to say that the groups that have become involved are really have made me feel enriched and empowered, and that includes certainly Muslims, Sikhs, Baha'is, Unitarian Universalists, Buddhists, and Hindus. All of them have joined in this struggle for peace with us. And I am so grateful for that. I think one of the best ways this goes back to what I started with a religion to be judged is by what do the people who say they believe in that religion do with their lives. And so if you, exactly, if you live your lives trying to be an instrument of God's peace, whether that is through being involved with the Coalition for Peace Action, being involved in local peacemaking efforts, whatever it is, I don't care that much which option you choose, as that we must all Take action for peace. I want to say that in doing that, it's not a burden. You know, this is one of the things that people are afraid of. Oh, I'm going to feel so burdened by all the problems of the world. That isn't, I don't think God lets it be that way. Our loving and gracious God makes us feel happy and empowered when we do this. And so I would like to close with a quote from our Psalm 133 in the Hebrew Bible how good and pleasant it is for sisters and brothers to dwell together in unity. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Reverend Moore, for such an inspirational speech, for reminding us that we share both as Muslims who acknowledge the events of Karbala and the tragedy of Imam Hussein and his sacrifice, linking that, of course, with the sacrifice of John the Baptist, both who lost their heads serving the one God and bringing justice and peace to earth and the message of God to earth. Thank you for reminding us of that. Thank you also for reminding us that (coughs) the love of God, and the willing of the good is action that we can take, that that's the method for peace, that we have to will it, we have to put it into action, and reminding us that taking action as citizens, as people of faith, as people of conscience, you can effect change in the global level, and you have proved that time and time again, and it's a message that for especially our young people, and even those who are now considered our seniors, to remember that your action makes a difference. And God, no matter what the outcome, is pleased with you for taking that action. And also don't isolate, make connections. Very important.